turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to tell you a little bit of a story before we get into the text, um, but if you would take your Bible or your device that has a Bible on it, and also take the notes that you've been given along with the bulletin this morning. One of my favorite professors in Trinity Seminary, Deerfield, Illinois, when I was there, was a guy by the name of Walter Kaiser, Jr. Um, he was quite a guy, great scholar, has written a lot of books. Maybe some of you have read some of them. He's got a great sense of humor. And he just, his, he just was full of stories. And I, I, I can't help but, but share one of the stories with you. If you've been here over the last couple months, as I've been speaking here and there, you've become aware of the fact that most of the stuff I've shared with you has been topical sermons. Uh, we've been on this series, Shape, talking about spiritual gifts and the other components that are a part of your ministry mix. And uh, there's only been a couple of sermons that I've preached, and those were maybe a month or two ago, that you would call expository sermons. And an expository sermon is kind of a verse by verse where the preacher takes a text that's maybe five or ten verses long and just goes down through that text and just brings out everything that's in the text. That's what's called an expository sermon. You exposit, you bring out the truth. So Walter Kaiser was speaking in a church one time and he was explaining all this about expository sermons and then he preached an expository sermon. And if I learned anything about preaching, I learned it probably from Walter Kaiser. He just was one of those teachers that would break into being preacher in the middle of a class. So he had delivered, explained what expository sermons were, preached an expository sermon. On the way out, there was a gentleman that came up to him afterwards and shook his hands and said, Dr. Dr. Kaiser, I just, I just love that suppository sermon. <laughs> True story. True story. Some of you are probably frowning because you're going to have to go home to your kids and explain what that was all about, but that's okay. What do you do when you are given a gift from somebody who is a very close friend and knows you very well, and you love him or her dearly? What do you do with the gift? Well, you unwrap it. And then you thank them. And then you use the gift. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about using the gifts that God has given you that will flow out through your personality and be a blessing to people around you and to God himself as you care for them and minister to them and serve them. The Bible teaches that God gives every believer certain spiritual gifts to be used in ministry, to be used in service. Uh, the key texts in the Bible in the New Testament to talk about these gifts are 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians chapter 4. In those sections of Scripture are roughly 19, 20, some say as many as 26 gifts, because there are some others that are added in other isolated passages throughout the New Testament. I don't think that that is a, uh, I don't think that that is the total list of spiritual gifts, but there are many of these gifts that are given 
to believers when they become believers. And spiritual gifts are an important factor that make up your ministry shape. We've been talking about five things uh, a couple weeks ago that make up your ministry shape, how God has wired you to serve. S stands for spiritual gift, H stands for your heart, A stands for your abilities or talents, P stands for your personality, and E stands for experiences that you've had in the past. All of those things contribute greatly to who you are and how you will serve others around you. But today I want to focus particularly on spiritual gifts and what the Bible says about it. First thing I'd like to have brought up on the screen is just the observation of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I hope you have your Bible open or your device open to the Bible, to chapter 12, and I want you to just scan down through those verses and look at some of the words that come out uh, so very often all the way through the end of the chapter. And I'll give them to you because they're up there already so that you can kind of take a look at them when you get back home. I encourage you to have a, a print Bible that you can mark. Maybe you can mark it on your device. When I first started this passage, I, I, took, I took it, I looked at it, and I started to look at the verses or the words that stood out. One of them was Spirit or Holy Spirit or the same Spirit. The Spirit of God, capital S, is mentioned 12 times. And it notes the central role of the Holy Spirit in this whole issue of giving gifts. The next word that I found was body, sometimes one body. But the word body is used 17 times, referring to the body of Christ, which is the church, the visible expression of who Jesus is in the 21st century. You were a part of that. This church is the body of Christ. It is what people see and identify with who Jesus is. And the third word that I picked out was parts, many parts or many members. The word parts is used 20 times, and the many parts or the many members refers to you, and to me. So what this passage of Scripture is talking about is that when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, the living God, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. The Bible elsewhere tells us that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body, if you're a Christian, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And with him, he brings gifts, spiritual gifts, that are designed to help you in ministering to other believers and unbelievers who are around you. I like calling unbelievers pre-Christians. I, I think it's better mentally for us to, to understand that God is already at work in their lives. This isn't to say that all of them will become Christians, but I think if we stop thinking of them as the unsaved, or worse yet, the pagans, or the heathen, and think about the fact that God is already at work in their lives, and that many of them are just pre-Christians. 
So that's what this is all about. And I want to give you a definition of spiritual gifts, and then I want to look at this text with you and kind of spell out some of the very important things that God tells us about spiritual gifts. A spiritual gift is a special ability given by the Holy Spirit to every believer at their conversion to be used to minister to others and therefore to build up the body of Christ. Here's number one. God wants us to be aware of and use our spiritual gifts. Notice what it says in the very first verse of chapter 12, 1 Corinthians. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. This is an important topic. This is something that every Christian should be interested in. This is the part of the marching orders that get us from just becoming a seat warmer and getting off of our duff and out into the public and out into the church and doing something. Not just occupying a chair for an hour on Sunday morning, but actually caring about people around us. It was a big deal to the early church. You don't need to turn to it, but in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, it talks about how the apostles taught the Word of God to the new Christians, the disciples, the apostles, the sent ones. They taught the Word of God, and their main task was teaching the Word of God and praying for the newly developed church. Well, there was a problem that came up, and that was that there were Jewish widows in the church during that time when Jerusalem was going through a time of famine that were being cared for, but there were other women who came out of a Hellenistic or Greek background who had become Christians. They were widows, and they weren't being served. And so there were complaints that arose, and the disciples, the apostles got together and decided that they couldn't do it all. God had called them to be the preachers, to be the deliverers of God's Word, and also to be the ones who prayed for the church. So they did a very wise thing. They chose men who were wise and full of the Spirit, and they called them deacons, servers. And these men were, were entrusted with the job of making sure that not only the Jewish converts to Christianity, but the Greek converts to Christianity were taken care of, that their widows were fed. In the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, it speaks to this whole issue of our gifts, and it says, do not neglect your gift which was given to you. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, and uh, it gives us an illustration of that. But before I even share that, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it tells us that God holds you and me accountable as stewards of our spiritual gifts. Let me read this to you. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. God gave you when you became a Christian a spiritual gift or spiritual gifts, plural. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Not so that you could serve yourself. Not so that you could draw attention to yourself. Not so that you could just have success. 
but so that you could minister to others, so that you could share through your heart, through your passion, through your abilities, through your personality, and through your past experiences, what God has given to you as a marvelous gift, beautiful gifts to serve others. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is speaking in verses 14 through 30, and it's what's called the parable of the talents. A talent was a measurement of money in those days, and so he uses this money illustration, but it really applies to all areas of life. He says that the, uh, the owner of the land, the master, gave to one servant five talents of money, to another one four talents of money, and, excuse me, two talents of money, into another one talent of money. And he went away for a while, and he came back, and when he came back, he wanted to know what they had done with it. And the guy that he'd given five to had invested it in some way or another and multiplied it to ten. He had used those gifts and multiplied their influence and their effect. And he went to the second guy, and he had given him two talents of money, and lo and behold, he too had invested his. And, and the net result of it was he had four. And he said, well done, my good and faithful servant. He went to the third guy. He'd given the third guy one talent. And he got into a conversation with the third guy. The third guy started kind of mouthing off to him. And he said, I knew you were a mean master, and so I just took the I just took the talent and I buried it. And this is what Jesus said in response to this whole thing that was a response actually of the, the master to those servants. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. That's where we get the saying, use it or lose it. God's, God's deeply concerned about what you do with your spiritual gifts. You need to have some inkling as to what they are. These passages that we're looking at today and that you should go home and study yourself, they're in your notes, are passages that give you some kind of a clue as to maybe what you should be doing and how you should be serving in the body of Christ, not for your own glory, but for the sake of the body so that we'll grow up. It's especially important, as Tom pointed out, that you find this out as early as you possibly can. Not only your spiritual gifts, but know what your heart is, know what your passion is, know what your abilities or talents are, know what your personality is, and think about the experiences that God has brought you through over the 10 or 20 or 30 years of your life that will impact the way in which you serve. Those are important. Tom told you about an experience that I had, and I shared with you last Sunday when I was a preacher and got 
got just pounded in one of the churches that I pastored. It's a very, very influential time in my life. God, God doesn't waste anything. He doesn't even waste any hurt. He uses it all to prepare you. Why is it that gals who have been um, maybe sexually abused, maybe even had a child uh, out of wedlock and had an abortion, why is it that some of those, when they become Christians, become so passionate about the life of a preborn? Because they know what it's all about. Because it's impacted their life so much that that becomes an avenue through which they use the gifts and the abilities and the personality and everything that God has used in their life to make them what they are today. Figure out your shape early on. We have 30 people. I noticed more were signing up this morning, but we have 30 people who've signed up for the for the workshop tonight and next Sunday night, and you know what? There's only five who are under the age of 50. I was kind of shocked. You ought to be finding out how God has shaped you for ministry. Secondly, secondly, the Holy Spirit determines who gets what gifts. Take a look with me in your Bibles, or I think it's on the screen. And uh, I'll read this to you. All these, and he's speaking about spiritual gifts, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as he determines. He determines who gets what gifts. He's sovereign over this. The Spirit of God is. We don't beg Him for a particular gift. The gift that He gives us is the gift of His choosing. He knows how to best distribute the gifts. There's no room in superi- for superiority. If you read this text in chapter 12, beginning around... Uh, Verse uh, 14, now the body's not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not of the hand, or not the hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. So this is not, I mean, the whole deal of spiritual gifts, nobody's, nobody's supposed to feel inferior. God God may give you a gift that's not terribly recognizable. God may give you a gift that's not terribly public. Sometimes people will say, oh, if only I had the gift of speaking. If only I had the gift of standing up in front of the congregation. If only I had the gift of being a leader. God says, cool down. God's given you gifts, but they're they're not all real big. They're not all super public. Some of them are gifts that hardly anybody will ever know. Some of them are gifts like serving, where you will serve in the Oikos Cafe, cafe or, 
where you'd be a part of the security team while church is in session. And nobody really notices it, but they benefit from your service. And then there are others who say, oh, my gift, the gift I have, marks me as a really spiritual person. And he covers that when he gets down to verse 18. But God's arranged the parts in his body. Every one of them, just as he wanted them to be, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Stick your head up in the air. Come on, look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor, come on, and go. I've got two, two young boys that are going to come up and uh, share a little bit. Come on up, guys. This is uh, Matthias and Johan. Let's make sure that we've got this microphone at the right place. And you're going to see this on the screen in just a minute as he starts reading. But these are a couple stories uh, I think you'll enjoy that kind of illustrate this whole idea of spiritual gifts. They weren't written to talk about spiritual gifts, but they apply. Go ahead and read your story. The Animal School by George um, Ravis. Once upon a time, long, long ago, all the animals decided to form a school. They established a well-rounded curriculum of swimming, running, climbing, and flying. To make, the, to make it easier to monitor the program, all the animals took all the courses. The duck was excellent at swimming. In fact, he was better than the instructor was. But he only made passing grades in climbing and was very poor in running. In fact, he was too slow. He had to stay after school to practice his running. This caused his web feet to become so badly worn, he became only average in swimming. But average is quite acceptable, so no one really worried about it, except the duck. The rabbit started out at the top of her class in running, but after a while she developed this twitch in her leg from all the time spent in the water trying to improve her swimming. The squirrel was a peak performer when climbing, but experienced constant frustration in flying class. His body came so badly worn from the landings that he could only get a C in climbing and a D in running. The eagle was a continual problem student. She was severely dis... dis Discipline. Discipline for being a non-conformist. In climbing class, she would always beat everyone else to the top of the tree, but, instead, but insisted on using her own way to get there. Stay up here. Beardle the Turtle by Dr. Seuss. Beardle was a selfish, big-headed turtle who decided he was king of the little pond of Salmasand. He decided he couldn't see enough city on his throne, so he called some other turtles to stand on each other's back so that Beardle could sit on his throne at the very top. The higher he got, the more he wanted to see, and consequently, the more turtles he had to have beneath him. Thus, he kept building his throne by stepping on more and more turtles. At the bottom of this immense pile 
of turtles was a very little turtle named Mac. Groaning under the terrific load, Mac cried out, Your Majesty, please, I don't like to complain, but down here below we're feeling great pain. I know up on top you're seeing great sights, but down here at the bottom we too should have rights. You turtles can't stand it. Turtle bellowed back, There's nothing higher than me, but Mac did a very ordinary thing and brought the pile down, yertle and all. Yertle and all. He burped. <laughs> Stay here, boys. Come here. Tell, tell, me what's, tell me what's wrong in these pictures. You don't have to look at them because they're kind of scary. You can look at me. I'm even more scary. <laughs> so what's wrong here? Huh? What, what, what's wrong with the school? Um, everybody could do one thing, but they couldn't do the others. That's right. That's right. But the teacher was trying to get them to do everything well, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. What about your story? What do you think's wrong here? What do you think of Yertle? He was selfish and big-headed. Yeah, that's right. He was selfish and big-headed. What did he make everybody do? Um, make a big tower so he could see everything. Yeah. Was he concerned about how it hurt them? No. No. Don't you? What doesn't it make you laugh when? The, what's the little turtle's name? Mac. Mac. Who do you like in the story? Mac. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Give the boys a hand. That's great. Appreciate the gifts that God's given to you. If you're a swimmer, swim. If you're a climber, climb. If you got this gift, use it. If you got that gift, use it. Don't look around at the gifts that other people have. Don't other people have. Be content with how God has shaped you. He has, and he still is. Don't argue with a potter. Don't compete. Don't try to duplicate what somebody else is like. Appreciate the fact that God has made one body with many different members who have many different gifts. Number three. Number three. Each believer is a unique blend of spiritual gifts. Now, I have to tell you that I don't get this directly out of Scripture. This is just my observation over the years. I think maybe we have thought, because of the way this is listed in gifts, that one person has the gift of teaching, and that's all he has. Got that gift. He's the teacher gift person. And another person has the gift of serving, and that's all gift he has. And I've discovered in my own life and in the lives of people who I've observed that almost all of us are a blend of maybe two or three predominant spiritual gifts that are blended together much like an artist would take a palette of paint with primary colors and mix them together to make all different kinds of colors. I think that's a good description of what you and I are like. Each believer is a unique blend of spiritual gifts. Number four, true motivation to serve comes from internal design, not from external pressure. 
It comes from internal design, not from external pressure. In this area of spiritual gifts and putting people into the right places of ministry that they are designed for, I must say there should be no arm twisting. Sometimes we force a person into a slot by, by arm twisting them without regard to their ministry shape. It happens in schools, it happens in every group, every kind of organization, and unfortunately it happens in the church. Oh, we've got a slot to fill, it's this, and we just go around looking for warm bodies. We don't give any concern really, or much time at all, to thinking about how's that person gifted, and will they be, will they be the right person for that particular place of ministry, or are we just taking a, taking a square peg and trying to slam it into a, a round hole in, in the course of it damaging not only the peg, but damaging the place or the whole, the place of ministry? Instead, what we ought to be, do, be doing is helping a person find a ministry that God has shaped him or her for doing and then encourage them and provide resources and link them together with other people who have the same passion and if we do that look out look out had a guy that uh, was in my former church that came out of roman catholic background started coming to our church it's a long story this guy this guy runs uh the pharmacy, uh, Coburn's, Coburn's store in Little Falls, his name is Gary Spurl. Uh, he is a crackerjack administrator and, and driven, just, and he's just taking that store. It's just, it's just, it's unbelievable. It's like a beehive. And he knows how to deal with people. He knows how to treat people. And what I saw, not only his natural abilities, but his gifting, we put him in as a, as the chairman of our elder board, he did a terrific job. Look, look for people that, that are the right people to fill a particular task. In fact, look at the person more than you do at the task. If someone is not performing well in a task that you had given to them, it, it, it's not necessarily the problem with the person. It might be that what they've been assigned to do is the wrong position. As much as possible, I think we look to look at the, the gift mix and all that makes up the person and then try to fit the task to the person rather than trying to fit the person, squeeze them into a particular task. I read a long time ago, a story that illustrates this that I think is just phenomenal. A number of years ago when actor uh, Robin Williams was recruited to be the voice of Aladdin in the movie by that same title, um, the, the producer of the movie did a very intelligent, just wonderful thing. He brought Robin Williams in and he had him go through the script of the movie, Ad Lib. 
and he could change lines that he wanted to change. And it was only then that they put the artist to work to draw the picture of Aladdin. They knew that if they just gave the picture to Robin Williams first, it wouldn't give him the latitude and the, the freedom to say it like he wanted to say it, to put it in his own words, to say it like he thought this character would say it. So they let him talk first, and then they drew the picture. Think about the person more than just the place that you're trying to stuff him into. Number five, God will be glorified. That's the ultimate aim of the exercise of our spiritual gifts. We need to see spiritual gifts in the broader context of a part of the way we worship God. Worshiping God is not just through singing. It is not just through listening to a preacher. It is not just through preaching. It is not just through serving. All of those things are a part of what it means to worship God. So that no matter what your spiritual gift is, even if it seems pretty insignificant to you, it is a part, what God, is a part of what God calls you to use in a way that will not only build up the body of Christ, but will also build up Christ, build up God and glorify Him. Look at this passage that comes from uh, the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Number six, the whole church should profit. The whole church should profit. Let me read from Ephesians 4. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Spiritual gifts are supposed to be used in a way that will build up the church, that will help the church to mature, that will help every believer to become all that God wants them to be and designed them to be. We are a team. We are a team. We are not a bunch of hot shots that are awakened to make the big play. We are a team. We work together. Some of us have gifts that are rather small. In fact, as he goes on in this passage, he talks about some people who they are like the part that's the, he says, the, kind of like the private parts of our body that are covered. Some of you serve in such a way that your service will hardly ever be seen or recognized or put up a trophy for but they're just as important 
as the gift of someone who stands up to be the preacher. In fact, they may be more important. I run into people sometimes, after having been in ministry for 46 years, 45 years, who will remember something that I did 25 years ago, and it was so simple that I don't even remember it. It's just pew. And it had nothing to do with my preaching. It had everything to do with one of the little parts of me. I don't even know how to identify it sometimes. That did a small act of kindness or generosity or affirmation that just, they can't ever forget it. Believers need to remember that our importance stems from our connection to the body. Believers of various ministry shapes are designed to work in harmony. There's an interesting passage in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. I want you to look at it that says this. Now, each one of the manifestations of the Spirit, each one of the gifts, is given for the common good. That's really interesting. Especially if you do a word study of the word common. Because in the Greek language, which is what the New Testament was written in, the word for common is pronounced sumphero. S-U-M-P-H-E-R-O. Which is the word we get, from which we get our word symphony. So what he's saying is that when you and I exercise the gifts that he's given us, not that we all have to have a solo part, not that we need to draw attention to ourselves, but if we use the gifts that God has given us for the common good, we will produce beautiful music. And to stretch out the analogy, I would remind you that an orchestra has all different kinds of instruments. Just looking at the mouthpieces of various instruments is staggering. When I was in high school band, I remember one lunch hour, some free period, I was in the, the band room and I decided, I wonder what it's like to play the tuba. I, I, I have a mouthpiece for my coronet that, that's about like this. And to make a sound come through a brass instrument, you blow into the mouthpiece and you buzz your lips and it comes out the other end as a sound and it's higher pitched than a tuba so I thought I wonder what it's like to play the tuba so I went back and sat down by the tuba it has a mouthpiece that's about that big around I thought I was going to lose my head in it I mean it's not it's just, it's just enormous. And then there's, the, then there's the clarinet, which is a reed instrument that depends on the vibration of the reed. That's why they're always clarinet players. 
why they're always licking it, because they want to get it ready so it vibrates and makes a sound. Then there's the oboe, which is a double reed, and the bassoon, which are double reed instruments. I'm told they're really hard to play because they got two reeds that flap against each other. And you got to have a real tight, tight lip to do it. And then beyond that, everybody has a different part. If you've been in an orchestra, there's Three notes here for the trombones and three notes here for the trumpets. And, you know, I mean, different measures, different tempos, all that kind of stuff. But when they're all put together and everybody is playing for the sake of the band, they make beautiful music. And when you and I play together for the sake of the king, we make beautiful music. Because we're all part of his orchestra. In closing, how do you identify your spiritual gifts? Number one, study the Bible, study the scriptures. Notice the different ways in which different people in the Bible are serving. Observe the way they excel in certain things. Number two, talk to wise believers. Ask believers who know you, what do you think my gift is? What have you observed in me that makes you think I have such and such a gift. If you've spoken several times and nobody, nobody affirms you, you, you might, you might want to think that maybe that's not your gift. Or at least sit down with somebody who you really can trust and will shoot straight with you. Do, what do you think? Do you think? Do you think I have the gift of speaking? Number three, experiment. Jump in. Get your feet wet. Try serving in a a lot of different areas in the church. Just test, just kind of through trial and error sometimes, we find out what God has gifted us to do and to have a better understanding of how God has wired us to serve. Four, take a spiritual gifts inventory. If you're coming to the workshop tonight, there's an address at the bottom of your notes, uh, www.thecompass.net, and you can take a spiritual gifts uh, inventory, it will grade it for you and it will place you in terms of what your top gifts are. It, it's, not, it's not foolproof, that's not the final measure, nor even the best measure really of what you're gifted to do, but do it and it'll help you. And number five, come to the workshop tonight and you will be glad you did. God has given you a gift. Unwrap it. and use it for the glory of God. Before I pray, I want to just remind you that tonight at 5.30, and it will take no longer than an hour and 15 minutes. I'm going to try to keep it to an hour. We'll do a workshop that is very, uh, it's very interactive. In fact, if you're coming tonight, listen close. Write it in your notes. Bring something that represents one of your abilities or talents. If you're an artist, bring a piece of art that you've drawn. If you're a woodworker, bring something you've done with wood. Whatever you do, if you're an operatic singer, bring five notes. Because <laughs> that's probably the longest to let you sing. <laughs> um, that's it. That was awful. 
you don't have to come, you don't have to come up afterwards and tell me I don't have the gift of opera, because <laughs> I already know. Um, and sign up on your way out. I think there's a couple tables right out through that door, and you can sign up, because we need to know how many workbooks to make, and we need to know how many kids to have uh, child care for, so, but you come, you come. I know you'll have a lot of fun. Stand with me. Stand with me. I'm not asking you to raise your, your hands, but I just kind of want to ask you a question. How many of you, how many of you know what your spiritual gifts are? And how many of you aren't, aren't at all sure? How many of you are jealous of somebody else who has different gifts than you do? Don't question the potter. He's the boss. But he's more than the boss. He's the sovereign Lord who has given you the gifts that he knows are the best ones for you. Jesus, thank you for this time together. Help each of us to uh, identify the gifts that you've given us. Help us to open them. Help us to thank you for them. And help us to use them for the sake of the body, your church and for the glory of you, Almighty God. For we pray in the name of Jesus, and all God's people said, amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Sign up for the, uh, for the workshop on your way out, and you can come forward and pray. If God's asking you to pray, there will be people up here that can help you. Uh, please come to the front. We'll have some prayer counselors, some prayer helpers that can also lead you in prayer.